You, you who are pneumatic, restore such a one. Uh, the word restore means prepare and complete and produce, put in order to its former condition. It's the same language in Mark one nineteen, where the disciples are mending the nets. You know, they're mending the nets and they're putting them back into order. And so when we have brothers and sisters who stumble and fall and they do and we do, man, to come and to pursue and to restore and to mend them so that they're useful again, to put them back into that former condition. Uh, it's the language in the Greek as a medical term for setting a fractured or dislocated bone. Just putting that back so that it's, uh, the person is useful. And how, so we know who's to do it. It's you, spiritual, and how are we to do it? It's to be done in a spirit of gentleness. And that is often lacking in the way within churches these days. A spirit of gentleness, a, a, a gentle way of thinking about it. And that's not often my first way, my first reaction, gentleness. It's more a, a bam, you know, I was sending out a, an email of correction to someone, just kind of rapid fire. And first, first one that went was gentle and loving and sensitive and then uh, kind of a hurt back to me and then, oh yeah, you know, and right as I'm about to put, it was like, you know, just like. Pull that finger off there and just not send it because there was no gentleness to it. And the Lord was convicting me of that. And, but I like when you speak of the spirit of gentleness, kind of a paraphrase of that would be with a breath of humility. With a breath of humility. And that's how it's to be done. As we go after our sinning, erring brother or the ones that are just about to be overtaken or maybe they full have, they're in a backslidden state, uh, gentleness a gentle way of thinking it suggests a gentleness born out of our own weakness as we've just removed the you know the plank from our own eye and now we go to get the sliver out of our brother's eye we go with gentleness because we know man i just had a, a telephone pole in my face you know that i had to remove and now i'm just going to get you know a, a bink at, a, you know a, a blink you know out of their eye and so man how can i not do that sensitively and gently and humbly. As Wearsby says, the influence of the legalists among the Galatians made this warning necessary. Nothing reveals the wickedness of legalism better than the way the legalists treat those who have sinned. Hearing someone share their testimony the other day and, you know, uh, sinning and as a teenager and, you know, when the church she was a part of heard about her sin, they just excommunicated her and got her out of there as fast as as fast as they heard about it you know and that is just not the gentle way of restoring somebody that we see in Galatians chapter 6 and and so just looking at some scriptures here tonight Matthew 18 12 through 15 Blaine you want to read this one so just similar from the words of the Lord himself you know um the, the picture of the shepherd and the sheep and that one that's gone away. My kids have this really cute Bible. It's the Read With Me Story Bible. And, um, you know, it's this little sheep that's sneaking off and he's looking and, you know, he's hiding from the, uh, from the shepherd who's looking all over, you know. <laughs> and the sheep's, you know, up behind a rock and just the cutest thing. But, you know, he finally finds him in such rejoicing. 
It does speak of pursuing that one who has gone astray and, and rejoicing over it more than the 99 that he already had. And so immediately following that, Jesus goes into instruction on church discipline and, and how to, starting out small, just one-on-one conversations, hoping to win that brother, all the way up to what, what the church knows today as excommunication for the unrepentant sinner. But in that, even on that small scale of sharing the brother, the fault between you and him alone, the purpose is so that you would gain your brother. And do you just sense as you read that, the gentleness that Paul is speaking of as Jesus speaks of it, you know, that you would go to them alone. And if they hear you, you've gained your brother. That is the heart behind it, is that you would gain the brother. Uh, Jen, will you read Luke 17, 3 through 4? And so, you know, maybe in the situation, that Luke passage that Jen just read, you know, is it an overtaken and a trespass? Or here's a guy that just keeps sinning against you and, and, you know, either way, we're talking forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration here. And doesn't forgiveness speak of gentleness? Just There's a gentleness about it. There's humility. There's that breath of humility. And, man, how many times in one day, and I like Luke's because I don't really reference Luke's version of that very often, but even seven times in a day just keeps, I'm sorry, I'm, you know, the second time, it's annoying. <laughs> you know, the third time, oh, fourth time, man, you're making me feel smart. Uh, the fifth time, uh, okay, now you're just dumb. You know, but what, you know, and then it just, oh, seven times, seriously, you know, seven times. And, you know, when the disciples say, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? Like, that's a lot. And Jesus says, no, I'm telling you, 70 times seven. Like, just don't even count. Just keep forgiving and even within the church, I hear that phrase like, well, I'm not a mat to be walked all over. Well, guess what? Jesus was. <laughs> That's how Jesus lived. That's what Jesus did. And we're to suffer as Jesus did. So you kind of are. You know, if you want to live a gospel-centered life, that means you, you have the breath of gentleness and the breath of humility. And you end up being a mat sometimes as you go and you pursue people and, and uh, this ministry of reconciliation that we've been given uh look at james 5 19 and 20 paula will you read that so we've got a wanderer wandering from truth someone turns him back not just the elders although as shepherds that is a, a great role that we have but you know all of us brethren are a part of that if someone is wandering going and turning them back and such an encouragement there that if you're turning the one from error you, you may have saved them from hell what a wonderful ministry is the ministry of reconciliation as people go AWOL from us all the time but someone turns him back someone's got to do it we've got to watch out for each other not in the way the KGB watches over you know or watched over the Ruskies the Ruskies Ruskies Ruskies? Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't there. But, uh, you know, or glass to the wall or that, you know, but as a parent watches over their children, you know, as a husband watches for their wife, as a wife for their husband, you know, as friends watching out for one another. Uh, there's a self-cleansing work in that. As we say to one another, hey, you, you don't appear to be the way you once were. You don't have the joy that you once had. You haven't been here as much as you once were. You don't 
pack your Bible anymore. You're not praying with us. You know, there's just something. What, what's going on? You know, or I've heard you say this. This is an error of the way. As Bengal says, everyone ought to seek the salvation of everyone. And this is how God accomplishes eternal security, is through the body of Christ, pursuing one another, not being okay with one another, just going off and living in sin and practicing sin and, and, um, and being okay with that. You know, as one man said, eternal security is a community project or a congregational affair. Part of the way that the Lord takes us through to the end and keeps us to the end is through his use of a local church and friends and someone who sees someone erring or someone overtaken in a sin and goes after them and says, hey, let me bring you back. Let me leave even the 99 to bring you back. In that gentleness, we see in 2 Thessalonians, or Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 3, 14 through 15. Josh, why don't you go ahead and take it? So kind of going into, you know, more of that third phase of like church discipleship, discipleship discipline, uh, you know, not hearing and, and not obeying. And, you know, there's that time of almost the heathen and the tax collector moment. But how do we even do that? With the breath of humility, with the spirit of gentleness, not counting them as an enemy, but admonishing as a brother. It's something that we saw Paul do for Peter when they were in Antioch and Peter was taken up with the hypocrisy of the Judaizers. We studied that a few weeks ago in Galatians chapter 2. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 25, Mark, want to read that? And so in that going and helping restore someone who is overtaken in trespasses and sin, it's in humility that we correct those who are in opposition and then in all of that, there is something that is a responsibility of uh, the pursuer, and that is that they are to consider themselves, lest they also are tempted. They've got to look out for themselves in that situation, be concerned about themselves, lest the enemy is using that as an opportunity to trap them as well. Kind of the, you know, uh, I remember going with... Uh, you know, friends to delete the pornography on their computers, you know, and, and uh, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to be there with you, and we're going to kind of cover up the screen here, and you're going to, you know, and just how can we do this so that we're not seeing stuff that we don't want to see in the midst of getting you out of this pit, you know, or we've got a friend who's down at the bar, and he's getting drunk, and, you know, I got to go get him, and, and, but man, I've struggled with that stuff, and so, man, as I go in there, as I go into that the dancing club or whatever it might be. You know, just those are pretty obvious type examples of like, okay, man, what's our, what's our battle plan and our strategy here so that I'm not going and all of a sudden I'm there, you know, uh, partaking in the sin as well. And so uh, obviously that's something to be prayerful about in various different situations. And it's interesting because we have, those are odd examples maybe, relevant but odd, and it gets even more odd when you get to the Old Testament and you see this taking place. When you have Noah who, you know, after Noah's Ark and the flood and all of that stuff, makes a vineyard for himself and then gets drunk off his keister with wine. And what happens is, you know, something happened that nobody, you know, I'm not sure I've read a good commentary on it. But it says, Noah began to be a farmer. He planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and was drunk, became uncovered in his tent, you know, plastered. And Ham, the father of Canaan, so Ham was Noah's son, 
saw the nakedness of his brothers and told his two brothers, or I'm sorry, he saw the nakedness of his father, told his two brothers outside. And so Shem and Japheth, the two other brothers, took a garment or a blanket or something and laid it on their shoulders and walked backward into Noah's tent to cover the nakedness of their father. And their faces were turned away. They did not see their father's nakedness. So when Noah awoke from his wine, he knew that his, what his younger son had done to him. And so it's believed that, you know, his son probably was like, oh, look at dad, he just looks like such a fool. And this is who God chose to, you know, you know all this stuff. And, and that the, the two other sons said, okay, dad's overtaken in a sin right now. We need to restore him in a spirit of gentleness and we need to consider ourselves, you know, lest we fall into the sin that Ham did. We're going to walk in backwards. We're going to honor, respect, and put this over him and cover over that sin. Um, Moses, uh, you know, here's Moses in Numbers chapter 20. Uh, the people are thirsty in the desert. For the second time, God is about to provide water for the children of Israel out of a rock. And the, ch the children of Israel are sinning. They are murmuring and complaining, and they are complaining against God as they complain against Moses, the word says. And so in that, you know, he's, he's going to bring relief from this hard situation and the sin of the people through the water out of the rock. But Moses hadn't considered himself as he's being tempted in the moment, and he strikes the rock not once as the Lord commanded, but twice out of anger misrepresenting the grace of God. And immediately after, the Lord says, because you did that, you will not enter the promised land. So there wasn't this, you know, we're going through this, and what are ways that I just, I might fall into sin right now as we're dealing with the sin issues of the people. Uh, one way that we do see it done in a spirit of gentleness is in David's life. After David had sinned with Bathsheba, she's pregnant, and, uh, you know, David has murdered Uriah, and has lived for about a year in sin and unconfessed, unrepented sin. And, you know, Nathan comes to him in a spirit of gentleness, Nathan the prophet. And he speaks this story to David that was gentle. It was just a story. And it just penetrated David's heart. David didn't know it at the moment, but he was seeing his own sin and was casting the first stone at it. And, and then just David says, that man is you. You're the one that killed the only little lamb that this man had. You had all the sheep in the world, and you killed, you killed Uriah so that you could take uh, Bathsheba. But it was done in gentleness, and it brought repentance. Moving on into verse 2, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So another very quick and even related um, practical point for us in Galatians um, and it can even be tied to that going after the, the sinning, erring brother where we bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so there's some, a basic assumption here, and that's that we all have burdens. Bear one another's burdens. Carry them, remove them, endure them with each other. Accept one another's tremendous hardships. Stott says, notice the assumption which lies behind this command, namely that we all have burdens and that God does not mean us to carry them alone. So two things, we all have burdens and 
It's not the design of the Lord that you go at it by yourself carrying them. The word burden speaks of a heavy load, hard to lift and difficult to carry. Just the other day, went into par and just got one box of sheetrocking mud. <laughs> Didn't look like it'd be that heavy, but boy howdy, that thing was heavy. And Linda was kind of doing a price check for me, and she was talking to Travis, and I'm like, oh, I'll take it over so that they know what box we're talking about. And I'm just like waddling like a duck, barely able to really move. You know, you got, had to pick it up here to really get some good motion, but I just didn't do that, and I kept it by my thighs. And so I was like, chunk, 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 you know. And Roger's watching me, and Russ is watching me, and they're just thinking, oh, we know how to pray for Blaine these days because he's with that guy a lot. Uh, it's hard to lift, and it's difficult to carry, tough to pick up, and hard to continue with. And, and we're to recognize that we have those, every one of us, every one of us has those, and how can we help one another with them? Some don't want to acknowledge they have burdens. They think that it's less spiritual to have burdens. Oh, you're not, I'm, you know, oh, I'm pretty spiritual. I'm pretty good with God, so I don't have burdens, even in my day-to-day living in life. Uh, but you know, that's, that's hypocrisy. We all have these heavy burdens that are hard to carry and hard to continue on. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 4. And Casey, would you read this? You know, we have this burden living here, living in this world, uh, knowing that there's a future hope of, you know, paradise and no more pain. Um, in this carrying one another's burden, Paul told the Ephesian elders that we need to be supporting the weak. And, and he did that through having the occupation as a tent maker and living the way that he lived. He wanted to support the weak. And so everybody has the burdens at different times. We're all the weak, and most of the time it's all the time that we are weak. And there's an underlying assumption to that assumption that we are not to bear that burden by ourselves. Romans 15, 1 and 2. Jenny, will you read this one? Romans 15, 1 and 2. So in the context of that, it's with, you know, Christian liberties and things that cause people to stumble. And, and it, you know, the one who is able to, to cruise with their liberties and just keep charging with Jesus, you know, they're called the strong. Those that have scruples and, st- you know, there's just these stumbling blocks that are, you know, they're, they're totally okay with the Lord to be doing, but they just don't, you know, there's just a conviction. They, they're called the weaker conscience. Nothing wrong with that. It's not an insult, just how the word puts it. And so the strong ones are to bear with the scruples of the weak. It speaks of humility there. And it's, it's right in line with where we're at in Galatians. Not to please ourselves, but to bear with them. Thinking of the song, Lean on Me. It says, uh, sometimes in our lives, we all have pain, we all have sorrow. But if we are wise, we know that there's always tomorrow. Lean on me. When you're not strong and I'll be your friend, I'll help you carry on for it won't be long till I'm going to need someone to lean on. So, hey, you lean on me right now and and tomorrow I'm probably going to be leaning on you. The reciprocal nature of our life. We're to be on the lookout for others who have burdens. It doesn't take a microscope to see that people have burdens. Sometimes it's just a glance at them and you know that you can see the heart is heavy the gaze is downcast. As Hebrews 10.24 says, um, let's have uh, Cynthia, will you read this? Sorry, it's just one. I know you can do more than one verse. But if... <laughs> and let us consider one another in order to 
And so as you go through the membership class, we talk about this passage that comes through the gospel, that the community that we're living in and as we're assembling, the very next verse says, assembling together, we're to be considering one another as we come together. How can we be loving one another? How can we be serving one another? Uh, How can we stir up love and good works in one another as we gather? It's purposeful consideration of one another. Uh, Man, is there a burden in this person's life that I can be praying for and helping lift up? And that's not even just with our friends. That's also with people that maybe we're not in cahoots with. If Barb could read Exodus 23, 5. And so it's even with our enemies and those that hate us and, you know, that driving by and you see the flat tire, you know, or you see in just ways that we can love others. And Jesus actually says that's what we're to do to our enemies is to love them and pray for them and bless them. Uh, But one of the ways that God alleviates our problems and burdens is through others and the comfort that they'd been given as we studied in 2 Corinthians. They, They went through trials, they were given comfort, and now in God's plan, they're to come to us and give us comfort in our trials. And then we will go and give comfort to others in their trials. And then this last little phrase in verse 2, in all of this, it fulfills the law of Christ. So bearing one another's burdens is loving and it fulfills the law of Christ. Uh, You remember last week from our Galatians study in verses 13 and 14 of chapter 5. Mary, will you read those two verses? So the freedom that Paul's talking about in Galatians, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. We've been called brothers to freedom, but that's not for us to just go out and have license to sin. Rather, we are now free not to sin and free to serve one another and love one another. That was our text from last week, and it fits so well with where we're at in Galatians 6. And so bearing one another is a loving thing, and it's personified and embodied in Jesus himself. Uh, you up for reading tonight, Johnny? Sure. Can I make you feel smart tonight? Yeah. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. No, nope, I don't know. I think uh, there's the word me in there. He might. There we go. Awesome. So, you know, as we help bear one another's burdens, how do we do that? We help point these people to Jesus. We take him to the one who bears the burden for us. He takes our yoke off of us and gives us his that is a light easy burden he is gentle like we said we're to go with that spirit of gentleness he is humble and meek and lowly in heart and we find rest in him Um, we see that he takes our burden in first peter 2 24 shannon will you read this and so he bore our burden as i think it was at the end of worship tonight quoting how great thou art that on the cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sins he bore our sins on his own body on the tree and so we can take people who have burdens and point them to jesus who carries them for us um this is fulfilling the love of christ this is how he loved and it's how we love. In John 13, 34, Paul? Also love one another. And a similar one, John 15, 12, Carrie? This is my commandment, So bearing one another's burdens is love, fulfills the law of Christ. It's the new commandment that is of the new covenant. Contrast that 
with the scribes, Pharisees, and Judaizers that um, Paul had been battling and Jesus battled and dealt with as well as in Luke eleven forty six. Here's what Jesus says about them. Ron, will you take this one? So in Matthew 23 also gives this woe statements to the Pharisees and they took pleasure in burdening people down, not in taking the burdens off of people. So instead of imposing the law of circumcision and pleasing God through our works and actions, the Judaizers should have been lifting the burdens to help fulfill Christ's law. Verse 3 in our text tonight, if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And uh, so there's this humility and just a, a, a word of check into these Galatians' life to be walking in humility and walking in a right perspective of who they are before the Lord. Romans 12, 3. Gail, you up for it? All right. Oh, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, I'll read it then. Uh, I say through the grace given to me, Paul says, that you not think of himself more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. You know, don't think of yourself higher than anybody else because it was the grace of God poured out to you just as it was unto the other. But let each one, verse 4, examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. And so uh, the, the idea is don't be comparing yourself to others by others uh, because we'll always feel really great. Um, or if we don't feel great, then we're feeling envious and jealous. Second Corinthians, Paul speaks to, no, like I need to compare myself before the law of the Lord, before the word and the scriptures, and let that be what uh, I'm measured by. Um, verse 5, for each one shall bear his own load. Um, interesting, similar passage, wouldn't you say, is to go and take the burdens off of others, but you also have a load to bear. It's a different word, burden versus load. Load speaks of like a soldier's pack that they are allotted to carry with them in the campaign. Uh, it's got the tools and it's, it gives them their purpose. And every Christian has been given that by the Lord. Task and commission and mission. And everyone is to be active in their call from the Lord. Um, and then, as it's in context with verse 4 of how you're judged, um, you know, that Bema Seat judgment that Second Corinthians speaks of, uh, it will be not based on other people's actions, but based on you and the load that you carried as God has commissioned you. So that's as far as we're going to go tonight in Galatians chapter 6. Um, we're going to go ahead and uh, bring the kids uh, you know what, let's hold off just a few minutes bringing the kids in and we'll just respond um, to the word and then we'll pray for Kuwait. We end up getting Kuwait working? Yeah. Okay, awesome. We'll pray for Kuwait just a little bit with the kids. And, um, but let's just go ahead and maybe we could dim the lights and we'll move to uh, prayer. Grab my guitar. And just uh, praying through the text today, just feeling like... Um, Tonight just needs to have a moment and some time where we let these really two big things that we studied happen here. You know, they're, they're relational things that happen in the church. And so, first of all, you know, man, if, if you're sensing that someone's overtaken in a sin or trespass, you know, go to them. Help 
gently and humbly pull them out of that. Help mend that net. Um, And maybe that's you, and you can go to someone and say, man, will you help me? Will you help bear this with me so that we can, um, I can be restored and useful and brought back to that good purpose again? Um, And so perhaps that is what is needed tonight in you and for you, or God has that for you, for someone else. Uh, And then the other thing would be to cast your cares on the Lord and to let people around you help bear that burden that you're going through, being real that you do have a burden, and, uh, you know, let, helping bring it to the Lord who is the bearer of burdens. I love what Peter says, and we're going to sing a song based on this, but uh, that we are able to cast our cares on the Lord, for he cares for us. And so uh, before we bring the, key, the, the kiddos in,